Oh, man alive. Yeah, that's right. It's too bad it wasn't like in, in Anderson Rises, then, Brad, you can use it as a personal thing. But the down goes at it. Tim Anderson, that was that was a Saturday, interesting, intriguing Saturday. Uh, it is a Monday, by the way. Good afternoon. Jack Michael Show, Brad Anderson in the house. Uh, text Club always open at 35270. Doc Phil coming up today. Uh, Amy Anderson also uh, back in town. She's over at Village today. Uh, Brad was able to bump into Amy, so maybe we'll find out a little bit more on her future. Her and Grant, you know, got the first child coming. So we got a lot on the docket today. Uh, but back to the back to everything that was this past weekend. Weather in Fargo, never. I haven't seen a lightning bolt like that hit Newman ever uh, that, that, that we saw. I'm sure there has been, but I just I personally hadn't. That thing kind of shocked and rocked the world there for a split second. So yeah, that going on. We had that Cleveland and, and White Sox scrapper there with Hosey. I love how Tom Hamilton. Tom Hamilton is, is a good broadcaster anyway. I like Tom Hamilton because when, when anybody from Cleveland, whether it be back in the day, the Indians are now the Guardians, it's a home run, and you just no doubt. There she goes. He's one of those screen, right? Oh, he like, he's he, just, there's he the yells and yeah, he he goes from one to eleven really quick. <laughs> so, so here's a fight that breaks out, and he it'll be sad if like that's the memory though for Tom because all these great calls in baseball, right? He can look back and go, yeah, but he's the one that went down goes Anderson, and Tim Anderson. It, it didn't look like Tim. In, in knowing boxing, I was I was likening this to um, uh, uh, someone this morning, or maybe in the clubhouse, when Virgil, uh, dear friend, uh, was fighting uh, Jean Marie Amembe. I remember him. Remember Jean Marie? I do. And when they announced Jean Marie, and he did that whole like with his fist, and he's like, it looked all mean and all that. And then he leaned into to Virgil's jab, which carried more power than because he was a converted southpaw, and it just. Done. Yep. <laughs> and that's what that fight was like. Anderson got hit in that part of your head where you could. You ever notice this, Brad? Where something like you barely gets maybe nicked in the jaw or the tip of the no, nose or no. maybe on the side of the jaw, no. and they out. There are points of the head that that, that that happened, and Anderson got rocked. I mean, Tim just that was like out. Yeah, he was. Well, then he had the temerity to go out there. They, you know, they're trying to get him into the dugout, and then right. he starts meandering out there again and um forget his teammate but uh they were kind of just holding basically yeah they back, just picked right? him up and said get goal get uh, in the clubhouse or uh, we were i was uh, trapped is a strong word but almost i was still in the clubhouse at newman after all the rain stuff because i we were you know just i was getting stuff ready for the next day there was a lot of rain i was kind of waiting for things to disperse before you got in your car and drove through. Mm-hmm. Why get wet? Maybe you're just, you know, you've been there before. We, oh, yeah. like, I'll let it let up so that I don't get all rained on when I walk out to my car. So it's one of those things. And we were sitting down watching uh, Kane County and Cleburne play in the clubhouse, about four of us, Mike Falsetti, Evan Alexander, a couple others, uh, Trey Cumbie, Caleb, the clubhouse guy, Caleb, Matt Gray. And we're sitting down there and not realizing what's happening around our surroundings, per se, in the parking lot with all the rain. And uh, and Caleb came running over with the uh, the video of that down goes Anderson, you know, the Ramirez Steve Anderson fight. As we're doing this, we're watching a a uh, a Kane County Cleburne game, and it's for the second day in a row going extra innings. You know, the day before it went thirteen innings. Now this one is in like the the eleventh, and uh, and, uh, and and two on, 
And Gally Cribbs Jr. plays for a shortstop for Kane County. He takes a pitch middle in, and he lofts it, and it's gone. It's a three-run walk-off home run. So we're watching this going, wow, you know, yeah, whatever. You know, wow. And he's running first, running second. As he rounds third, he looks to the Cleburne dugout on the third base side and makes some sort of crying eyes or woe is you. But he makes some sort of gesture to the opposing team upon rounding third on his walk-up home run. Well, guess what the Cleburne guys did? He barely made it to home. And now Cleburne kind of empties their bench. This is not a walk-off home run. And Kane County's going over to, to pour Gatorade over yeah. Galley Cribs Jr. But in essence, with Cleburne coming out, so half the Gatorade was like poured over Cleburne or thrown at Cleburne with the bucket. And now that begins a standoff at home plate. I'm thinking, what is going on this weekend in the world of uh, at least baseball anyway and some brawls? And I don't know what – I don't know why – Cribs did that. I I'd, must be something throughout the course of the last two games, or if they if someone was chirping at him. There's always something that that it's never the act that you see. There's always something that is perceived that precedes someone doing something like that. Because if you're Gally Cribs, you're asking for one on the side or an ear hole in your next right. time. Right, Brad? Next time right. you play him, you don't you know, to walk up home run. You don't just look to the other bench and then throw some weird gesture of what was you. I don't know what it was. But I was. We saw, I saw it as happened. I went, what the heck was that? And then, boom, it, it emptied that. So, yeah, there was something in the water or the air this weekend. The full moon this weekend? I don't think it was. <laughs> but uh. Oh, man. Um, uh, the text club, uh, and I was bringing this up with Joel Heidkamp, only because the uh, the story – of 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 Roseboro Marischal is is uh, and I, I laid out the whole story because if you Google it you won't get the the entire story you'll get a good chunk of what happened uh, but the greatest <laughs> it almost sounds like we're you know, praising and encouraging brawls we're not just just recognizing them some of them are pretty good but as far as brawls go. And and you can do I guess any sp- other than boxing because they're paid to do that or kick fighting all that all that stuff UFC. Uh, what are the what are the the biggest ones that come to your memory? Um, base brawls or if for some reason a football actual fight broke out, what are those that come to your memory? And I was and and Joel had a good one because he <laughs> he remembered 1993. I said to me, it's it's. I wasn't alive, but I've seen it so much, and it's always regarded as one of the biggest fights. Was Marischal Roseboro Marischal? It's just it's <clears throat> baseball lore. Yep. And and I'll and I'll and I'll, I'll kind of lay out what the whole story is because we were privy with Maury. He was right in there. Uh, but Joel said Ventura and Nolan Ryan Brett. I said that's not a bad one. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good. That, that's a good. That's one. a good one. Just be just because what Nolan Ryan he had him in did. Like, he had him in like like when your uncle gave you a little on your head, right. you a little you had him a headlock. He gave you a noogie. Noogie. That's what he has. He, like when your uncle like I had noogie. Robin got more than a noogie. Yeah, he got a little <laughs> more than a noogie. That was 1993. Um. Yeah, they, you have to have the Braves and Padres in 1984 because that one's oh, that one's spread out over yes. the course of the entire game. You don't know Ryan was 46 years old when he, that fight when he was. Yeah, he was toward the end. 46 years. I think that was old. his last year, and that's a. Uh, um, so yeah, I, I I think there's a like a Pedro Martinez Don Zimmer obviously remember the blood yep. on on Zim yep, Veritek and uh, A Rod. Uh, but the and Braves A-Rod. Padres one is. 
because they were Pascual Perez hit. I think it was Alan Wiggins with like the first batter of the game. Got him right in the square of the back. Mm. And they tried mm. three or four times to because that was when the pitchers hit in, yep. in, in the NL. They tried to hit Pasquale two or three times and missed him. And they finally got him. <laughs> and then it, it just, it, then it just, it was, yeah. And then, okay, so they had the one big brawl. And then the late Donnie Moore hit, Donnie Greg, Moore. hit Greg Nettles in the ninth inning and it started up again. That's right. And there were fans and fans went out on the field, That's and that right. one was that one was that one was nasty. It, it yeah, it like spread like a brush fire. Oh, it was unbelievable. Right? Oh, that yeah, that's a so if you have one that pops up, they recall um, uh, thirty-five to seventy. There's a, a text here, and I've seen this video. What is it? Uh, I think it was there was a station in Dallas. They they used to have old footage from the seventies. Okay. Lenny Randall of the Rangers, and I forget who, I think it was yeah. Cleveland, he um, he dropped a bunt down up the first base line, and once the pitcher went to field the ball, he knocked him down. Oh. He didn't even get to first base. He well, he, uh, he bowls over the pitcher, so, and then there's a big brawl. Wow. Probably like mid-70s. That's a great call on yep. the text club, 35270. I... Um, Twins swept. We'll get to that certainly uh, too today. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, man, good name. He did a Keuchel type name. Uh, the um, Marichal Roseboro, which would some considered at least the top three or top five. I don't know. I don't know how you rank it by like the act or how many are involved or the height of the teams or what have you. Um, the Marichal Roseboro fight. Now this happened back in 1965. And you can imagine the rivalry already. Uh, the rivalry already when you talk about Giants and Dodgers, you know, and, and some would say, yeah, back in the good old days, you know, the golden era, you know, there were true rivals. Brad said, you know, pitchers in the NL were, were hitting, you know, th- th- that said. And it, it talks about it. I just Googled it out and it said, uh, Marischal used more than just his fist in a fight against John Roseboro in the middle of a pennant race. Uh, Sandy Koufax is on the mound, marquee pitching matchup, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and uh, Marischal said uh, Roseboro intentionally tried to hit him in the head on the throwback to the pitcher, and uh, Marischal utilized his bat. And all that is true. But it took a a, a while, and uh, bless Maury, he didn't tell the story until he got permission from Sandy Koufax, so he didn't he didn't want to say this out of out of school, out of, you know, he didn't like telling a thing. But here is, here is the inside of that Marischal-Roseboro fight. Wills is hit by a pitch, by Juan Marischal, hit by a pitch. And it seems somewhat intentional, I don't know, crowding the plate, trying to bunt his way on, whatever the case may be, it's Giants and Dodgers 65. Wills is hit by a pitch in the ribs, hurt him. You know, not fun to wear that. Come back to the dugout. Now, John Roseboro was Maury's roommate on the road. Brad and I traveled to broadcasting, and we roomed together, we'd be roomed. That was Roseboro. Wills. They were roomies on the road. In fact, Maury always called him Roomie. I was their nickname, Roomie. And for John, too. And John has passed since also. They get in the dugout. Marischal has hit Wills. They get in the dugout, and the Dodgers turn to Koufax and say, you got to hit Marischal. And Sandy being, you know, pleasant guy he was, he was not for venom and all that kind of stuff. Maybe not Sandy, the way as Maury says it. What's really Sandy's game? Sandy said to the guys, I'll just strike him out. And the Dodgers said, "No, no, 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 no! You got to hit Marischal. I'll, I'll just, I'll just strike him out." 
No, no, no. So this is what's going on in the Dodger dugout. When in turn, Roseboro turns to Wills and says, Rumi, I'll take care of it. And that leads to when Marischal's at the plate, ball comes in, and Vaughn and, and, and Roseboro whizzes that ball past, you know, the Marischal's ear and all that kind of stuff. And then Marischal takes his bat and clunks Roseboro, and that starts the big one of the biggest brawls uh, that that we remember in the game of baseball. It, it dawned on me, Brad, uh, several years ago when Hal Lanier was the manager of Winnipeg, and Hal Lanier was on that team with Marischal. Hal Lanier played. Oh, really? With the Giants, <laughs> yeah. So I not know that. And I uh, and we were on the field as you would be before a game. Now this is now in the Northern League at that time, and and Hal's down there, and and you know he and, and Maury's there, so we're kind of standing around, and I'm like. Man, the, I was talking to Hal and Morris. And man, your guys' rivalry, that's got to be one of the, I mean, those rivalries, you know, and they were talking. I said, how about that fight? And then that came up, and we started talking. I'm like, Hal, where were you in that fight? He goes, well, I was kind of on the outside looking in. Morris, how about you? I said, yeah, I wanted to get in there, but I was on the outside of that fight. <laughs> so I thought it just dawned on me that, oh, my gosh, two guys sitting in Fargo, North Dakota, that were both part of that, uh, and one was the reason for the uh, for the fight. So that, that uh, again, sounds like we're, you know, glorifying brawls, but let's not kid ourselves. Brawls happen, and for a number of reasons, and uh, that just happened to be one. Brad brought up a tremendous one. Ventura, Nola Ryan in 93, big. Zimmer, Martinez in 03, large. Rodriguez in Veritech in 04, also large. Uh, Ozzie Smith and Will Clark from the Tex Club. That's Time in out. the 80s. Yes. Yep. That was at Old Bush Stadium. That's a great call. Three five two seven zero is the text. Yes. Yep. There was that one. I We're think probably missing a thousand of them out here. Well, we've got a couple hockey ones. The UND was uh, Wisconsin hockey water bottle incident. <laughs> just uh, just Google Carrie Eads and you will. Or actually, you could even ask Carrie and <laughs> he'll, recant, he'll recant that for you. <laughs> Have if you sat like. down and, t- and heard uh, stories about that? I've heard. I've, I've I've seen the video many times. I haven't really ever. A- I have never really asked him to get into full full blown detail on that. Uh, and we will accept hockey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I might guess. Uh, uh, another one here, 1979 Bruins Rangers. A fan got beaten with his own shoe by Mike Milbury, a what? Bruin at Madison Square Garden when it spilled into the stands. That's a famous one, too. That is, uh, that's almost like like Slapshot movie-esque. Oh, right there's there. a, uh, back in the day of the Blackhawks and North Stars, they had, they had some doozies. Um, These are ones up in yeah, 80s, even up until the North Stars move, but really in the 80s. Joel uh, Offair asked Abby Miller, one of our colleagues, said, hey, what do you think the role is of an umpire in baseball or, or umpires in baseball or officials in hockey once a brawl breaks out? And she wasn't sure. And I said, well, I'll tell you this much. You don't see a lot of umps getting involved in baseball brawls. They just sit back and look for who, you know, assessing the situation. Brad, what, and maybe this is one for Doc Phil, but you would know too. And maybe my buddy Tyler Lifford, longtime uh, friend Tyler from Will, who's repped enough games uh, in, in, in a high level. What, what's the, I'm going to use the word etiquette, Brad. What's the etiquette of a referee in hockey when a fight breaks out? I think they let him. I think they'll well if they can get they can get in the middle of it right away and prevent it. That that's first step. Yeah, maybe? I think that's the first step. But if there comes a point where the where the the boys have dropped the gloves, 
I think you let him go at it for a few minutes, and I think if you're a referee, you kind of oversee and say, all right, you kind of have to do the sixth sense. All right, this fight's over. Then you then you just kind of get him. Then you then you get in the middle of it, get him separated, and get him to the okay. get him to the box. If it goes to the ice, if it goes down, is that also a time to 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 jump in and stop as as like an official? I or- think so. Yeah, I think you know I. From ones I've seen in the USHL, they they'll let them get a you know two three swings in, and if if it if it's apparent that there is a winner, then that then or if it gets to the if he gets to the ice, then I think they get him separated, or if they just you know come to the point where it just seems like there's you know one one of the two combatants has okay. kind of won the battle, <laughs> then he's kind of say, all right, that's enough. <laughs> the other one's kind of capitulated, as they yes, say. Yes, yes. Uh, got a text in says uh, August fourth, nineteen eighty, Dave Winfield. Takes out Nolan Ryan. Hmm. I'll have to look at that. Dave Winfield takes must have out. been a Padre then. It's before he was a yeah. Yankee. Yeah, it had right. to be before right. he was a Yankee. And he says, you don't see photos being sold on that one. I'll have to look at that one. That, yeah, so that, yeah, so some was in the water in the air this weekend. I think there was, uh, obviously, uh, I don't know what the fallout is on uh, on the on the uh, Ramirez-Tim Anderson I'm uh, not even a melee. I mean, it was like one punch out, and everybody else does what usually baseball fights are. You all hug each other to, to everybody gets their man card out, and then you you hug and prevent. And then there's usually maybe one or two that try to restart. That the Twins are 59 and 54. They have 49 games left. So Brad, I've been doing math today. The uh, 49 games left, and say the the Twins go 24 and 25. That would put them at 83 wins. And if they go, so that's a game under 500, the remaining games under 500. That would make Cleveland have to go 29 and 21. It would make Detroit have to go 34 and 17. So that's my quick math for the day. You said your number was 84. Yep. It's frightening. How you could be almost they right on the They could play about 500 ball and, and, get, and get it done. And get it done. <laughs> it's how that and actually might now be with it. Cleveland, well, they have, what, six left with the Guardians. Just don't don't, don't get swept. Yeah, don't I mean, let that series yeah, be the one if, that, if yeah. If you could even just go 500 right. in those six games. That's right. That's all you, you know, really need. Even um, though you don't technically gain ground, you do because uh, the games are right. reduced. So, yes, that that's a good way to look at it. I think this is a week where... Because they've just gone, they went gangbusters right out of the All Star break. They had uh, the series in Kansas City, and uh, the the two losses before that, the one loss to the Mariners, where they kicked away a four run lead yeah. in the eighth inning, so they'd lost what five in a row. Now you got to go to Detroit, and you can't go, you know, and the and Philly, and you can't go two and five on this yeah. road trip. Find you gotta, a way, you, you got to keep going. Find a way for Pablo to get that tonight. Get him a good uh, good outing. Got Maxi. Swinging a pretty good bat. Uh, there, there at least is a good feeling heading into Detroit uh, this week. We'll take a, a step aside. Uh, we're asked you on the text club at 35270. Sports brawls that, that come to your mind, uh, you can text in. Uh, Doc Phil around the corner. And a whole bunch more. Chance to hear from Amy today and more. It is the Jack Michael Show, Brad Anderson, Monday edition on 740 The Fan. Doctor, doctor, give me the news I got. Doctor, 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 me, what's up, guys? That last text I just, uh, I just watched that video from 1980 when Dave Winfield was a padre, as you're right, 
uh, took a took a heater that, that just ran in and uh, from Nolan Ryan. And Dave took offense to it. He walked out now, and and and, and ensued ensued was the, was a little swing and all that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you that uh, that that's I don't know what's worse, having a Ryan fastball come towards you, or having Dave Winfield come at you because because Dave was pretty hyped. Doctor Phil Johnson joining us today on that. Hi, Doc. You jumped into a thing. We were looking at the Jose Ramirez, Tim Anderson incident where 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 Jose uh, knocked him out. With a punch there, we were talking about uh, sports brawls, the ones that come to mind. Now, we've been kind of throwing some baseball ones out. Some of the text club now is rolling out some of the hockey ones. And, and I'd imagine that, that you know, the, the odd thing is, and I don't want to say hockey is built for that. It's just been part of it, Doc. Uh, for it's, it's the way the game handled itself. Love it or not, right or wrong, it's the way sometimes the game handled itself, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it really was. It was kind of the equalizer sometimes. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, there's been several historic brawls. And I think I think the one, you know, that, that comes back to my mind most often in present-day hockey is the one between the Colorado Avalanche and the Detroit Red Wings in, like, the spring of 97 after – they had that major hit during the playoffs uh, where it broke, uh, was it LaPointe? Somebody's jaw. I mean, just Ooh. awful. And and that and that brawl consisted in 97 where the goaltenders were going. I mean, everybody. Oh, so everybody. After. And I think Chris Osgood, or no, what was it, Ozzie? Well, the goalie skated to center ice and dropped gloves. I mean, everybody was involved. And it was, it was a melee. I think they called the Bloody Wednesday or Fight Night at the Joe, something like that. Uh, Brad, does that does that ring a little bit of a bell uh, on that? Kind of, but I don't I don't remember all the tales. I'd have to go back and uh, I'd have to go back and uh, look at that one again. I use the word etiquette with Brad Doc on on like officials, like what, what's the uh, the what's the protocol when a fight breaks out. So Brad was breaking that down nicely. I know this much that oftentimes, Doc, to your point, you don't see goalies go out. They don't seem to be part of no. the right. No, and that was Patrick Waugh and Chris Osgood. Ah, now I'm back. Yeah, and 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 which you never saw, you know, really the the goaltenders go at each other. I mean, it was it, it was it was amazing, and they skated all the way down and took each other on at center ice. Um, yeah, I remember that. That was that was wild. We uh, that was wild. we talk about this, uh, you know. We, we talk about in baseball, you know, the old days, you know, the golden era, and then and people reference. And Chris Coast and I were actually talking about this the other day, like, because in this league, whether it be the American Association, even in minor league baseball, and even probably to some degree, much of major league baseball, uh, you're not good enough to be able to throw inside where you want. <laughs> you know, you're not good enough. Right. That's why you're, you right. don't. So you might want to send a message, but here's the problem your message is going to go up and ahead in a place because you're not, you're not, you're not polished enough to be able to do bob gibson if he wanted to graze your chin he could graze your chin right you know nolan ryan could probably graze your chin a little bit you know that that's that's the other part of the baseball stuff you know yeah and 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 that is so true too i mean the control factor is just such a component of it and and let's face it you know that's why (laughs) that's why the batters are going up looking like goaltenders I mean, they have everything protected. They've got shin pads. They've got elbow pads. They've got the chin pad. They got the helmet. 
pretty soon we're going to see a visor, I think. Um, <laughs> just everything. Just everything, you know, and, and, and a flak jacket and, and the whole bit because it's just getting silly, but, but that's the game, you know, and they lean in so far and they want to be right over that sweet spot because those umpires are calling the corner so much um that you know they just don't want to miss an opportunity and that may mean that they've got to crowd the plate a little bit and pitchers don't like that one bit by the way to doc's point if we could turn back the time we had doc if we had the delorean and could turn back time (laughs) and and you wanted to maybe make a little extra cash outside of trying to win the mega millions or whatever's going on you'd turn the clock back and invent more gear that baseball players will wear it, during a game, and now you've got Doc the the mitts, you know the oven mitt yep. type thing to protect the hands. Certainly, you have ankle and shin protectors that that batters wear. You know that that that's what you would, you would have invented because you're right. I think we are we are graduating to more gear. It, it seems like it takes 15 minutes sometimes once a batter walks or it gets on for the ball boy to come out there and he's he's walking back to the dugout. Looks like he just got done shopping at Kohl's or someplace, right? <laughs> I mean, man, a lot. And you're exactly right. I mean, it's 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 really kind of interesting to see how that's evolved. And that hasn't really been that way for probably maybe the last what ten years at the most. Yeah, right. I, I, I mean, after, I remember when we when we were with the Red Hawks, Jack. I mean, I don't remember any of that accessory. No accessory equipment. I mean, occasionally if somebody took a hit off the shin, we put a you know shin guard on for them for a while, which was basically a soccer shin guard. Yeah. Until it kind of settled down, but but after that, I mean, there never was the chin guard off the helmet. There was never the elbow guard. There, uh, you know, even the thumb donuts that we use. Right. Sometimes their thumb or never use that. So. Um, yeah, it seems to have kind of evolved here. And, and I think part of that is is that the pitchers have become very precise in their pitches and and the batters um, are becoming very selective and, 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 quite frankly, very good eyes about, you know, when to lean in and try and get that pitch that's just hanging out a little bit over the outside but it's still in the sweet spot. And uh, it's 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 really kind of wild. And every pitcher that comes out is throwing 110 miles an hour. It seems now yeah. I exaggerate that, but yeah. pitchers are many more of them have the velo going to a spot where I'd imagine you foul off something that's 98 and you just clip it and it it doesn't lose any velo into your bone, your your ankle, your knee. You're done. Hit your hamate. You know we've seen yeah. that bone uh, hit before. That you're you're pretty much. Canceled. Ryan Klesko, by the way, Phil sparked my brain. Ryan Klesko, to me, was the first, if not the first one, one that I really maybe think going, boy, he's wearing a lot of armor. You know, I don't know if he was the first. Bonds used to do that, but I don't know. I, I can't recall who else were the early ones that were. Excuse me, on Bonds with the Giants yeah, became body armor yeah, central. He was there, like, yeah. Yeah, it looked like an armadillo. The <laughs> other guy who played for Cleveland, and he was from North Dakota. Oh, Travis. Yeah. Travis. Yeah. Travis had, I remember Travis had the elbow pad on. Yes. Because he, he had some issues with his elbow, but he put that, I remember him wearing the elbow pad uh, back in his day. And that was, you know, that was, that was probably 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Well, we got to get, we did a weekly thing, which we got to get Travis, Travis so engaged in his children's uh, sports right now. It's tough to, tough to find a free time. He's such a good guest, but you're right. And they all, and, and Travis also 
uh, got busted in a lot because they didn't want to leave a yeah. ball in. So when they threw in, they they threw in because they that ball would be destroyed if they didn't get a deep yeah. in. So my guess is he he probably wore that out of you know out of you know protecting it as you said and and whatnot. Uh, from the uh, to the, to put an end to that point, Doc. Do you see what what else can be left to be worn or improved on, say in baseball, from the gadgets that they wear? What's left to be worn or improved on, if you can improve uh, on what they already wear? You know, probably as always, the helmet could be a little bit better, but I mean, they're they're getting really good as far as using the materials that will disperse that shock. You know, when the ball's coming in around the head. So I mean that. That's doing pretty well. Um, I think in in maybe clothing or something undergarments, if they can wear some type of shock shock shirt or something, because they do get dinged right in the ribs, and sometimes that's a real difficult spot to yep. to heal properly and quickly, because that deep bruise really affects your swing and can affect your throwing, you know, because of all the rotation. So. There may be something along the line that's a little extra padded there that would help disperse that shock better in a more wide area around the rib area. Um, other than that, I, I, mean, I mean, I think... I mean, the hands are... are... Well, the, if you look at those batting gloves, they are so padded now. Yeah. I mean, they almost look like soccer goalie gloves, some of them. Um, and I'm not sure why they do that, because they kind of want that feel of the bat, but... But if you look at the back side, a lot of them do have some foam there, and that's that's going to protect them if they take a direct shot on the back of the hand. Uh, so I think they're they're working in that direction. But you know, other than that, I mean, I mean, what are you going to send them? Are you going to send them up looking like the Tin Man, you right? Know, the Michelin tire guy, you know? I mean, eventually you're going to your movement's going to be restricted where you can't perform. Right. Right, exactly. You're going to cut down on the performance and the ability to hit the ball, you know, a long ways and and easily. So. But I think they're probably, you know, they can tweak at things a little bit with materials. Um, there's probably a little forearm flint that they would put on if somebody was getting hit in the forearm or got hit in the forearm. But I think they're kind of where they're at, you know, of all the major spots that get targeted, you know, the head, the elbow, and then foul balls off the leg. Joe Ryan to the injury list. We'll get to that in a second. It's a groin. Uh, but uh, I, I watched quarterback on Netflix. You guys were talking about, and Derek was saying how good – Quarterback, and he's right. I mean, I, I binged it. Uh, I binge-watched it on an entire Red Hawks trip. It was like I was over immediately. It was really, I thought, well put together. And I, I noticed this much, that I don't know what that flak jacket that quarterbacks wear, what they absorb, Doc, because they're watching Kirk Cousins just get lit up in that backfield. I'm sure he, he's protected, but, Mike, I don't know how much those protect because he, in that, in that Netflix, you get a real good taste of how hard those quarterbacks get hit and the and what it takes to get back on the field, my goodness, Doc! And I don't imagine that 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 gear is probably being improved on too, but it can't protect at all. It can't protect certainly what those NFL boys are coming at you. Well, and, and the you know the problem is a little bit what I've seen, and and I and nobody's really talked about or addressed it is how how small the shoulder pads have shrunk down to. Um, I mean, if you go back and compare just back in the just back in the 2000s, late 90s, the shoulder pads were quite a bit bigger and they absorbed a lot of shock. Now, I know they're using composites and they're using better materials, but the reality is, I mean, you're seeing a lot of shoulder separations, and it would be interesting to go back and look at some of the injury data from the NFL and see, and even college, and see if that is bearing out because 
Um, it just seems things are getting smaller and smaller. And my goodness, the linemen, it hardly even seems like they're wearing shoulder pads at all oh, these no. days. That's um, right. So they can slip by and not, you know, let somebody grab on them. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason. But but the flat jacket, back to your flat jacket, that's a really good material. Um, the thing, I, I don't worry so much about their ribs so much. I mean, it's, it potentially is injured, but those flat jackets are pretty good. The thing I worry about is, is, is the is the head and the neck when it goes back and forth. Because when they get rocked, they go down and they usually go on their side. And the first thing that hits the ground is the head and then it comes back up and then it goes down again. You know, and that's what, uh, you know, the Miami Dolphins problem was. You know, that kid, you know, the quarterback just got rocked and his head went down, hit the ground, came back up and then went again. And that's that contra coup thing that we talk about. So that's, 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 and, but you've got to have the, the neck free, obviously, for, you know, to make sure you protect yourself and see where things are coming from. Um, and let's face it, that's part of the risks of the job. But, um, yeah, when they when they get rocked, they get rocked. And if somebody 300 pounds lands on you, there's sometimes uh, things that happen, and it's not usually in a good way. Biggest pads worn ever, Earl Campbell. See Earl Campbell. <laughs> Remember the pads at Earl Campbell? Oh, yeah. Just big, yeah. square uh, pads and you know but he had he had huge thighs to begin with yeah, he was know. a big boy yeah that he had he was just oh. a big bodied guy with huge pads and and watching Staubach or 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 Bradshaw I'm going back now to the era where they were the bigger pads they didn't look and maybe they didn't have the biggest ones but uh, you know they didn't seem restricted by throwing obviously down right. the field so I, I I'm curious on that of course, uh, they, had, they had pretty good lines too yeah, uh, Doc Phil with us. Yeah, they had decent lines. Doc Phil joining us on a Monday. Uh, Brad, it's groin, right? Joe Ryan, that's and he kind of withheld yes. a little bit. That, yeah, that was the story on yeah, that. He didn't tell anybody, and I think the twins got a little, little frustrated by that. Yikes! Uh, I don't know what degree this is, but when you hear a starting pitcher who was having a pretty nice year, and now now then he gave back, and even Brad and I, Doc, were talking. Go, there's got to be something there with Joe Ryan. He just he's had two outings where well, then we find out it's it's a groin. Uh, so when you hear pitcher and groin, now he's on the injured list. You know, Dallas Keuchel, as we know the story, up through yesterday for the Twins. Uh, but you hear pitcher and groin, uh, what comes to your mind as a guy that's treated this stuff? Not good. Hmm. Because the, you think about the motion of pitching, and it depends on which side, you know, is it's really injured because they're pushing off on one side and they're landing on the other one. So they're they're really putting a lot of stress on that groin area, you know, slow their body down or accelerate their body during the throwing motion. So, I mean, you're potentially looking at a couple, two or three weeks to recover, uh, allowing him to maybe pitch, you know, pain-free. So problem is we're getting towards the end of the season, and are you going to kind of move it along a little bit? Or is somebody going to try and inject something like PRP in there to accelerate the healing, which is questionable? Um yeah, it, it, it potentially can be a real, um, I don't want to say annoying because it's more aggravating because you just aggravated every pitch, but but it could be potentially a, a big issue, and maybe that's why he hasn't been performing so well for the last couple of games. So the thought would be you know, trying to reduce the inflammation and allow that healing process to take hold and then start working slowly on a strengthening program. Uh, that would uh, then allow those groin muscles to readapt and then absorb some of that stress as opposed to the tendons right in the groin. So, not saying that, yeah, you know, yeah, and, and not saying that managers or coaches, but remember, they, was it, uh, uh, what was it, Billy Bob, the movie? Was it Friday Night Lights or was it uh, one of those? 
where the, where the guy keeps getting recurred injury, the quarterback does, and they want him to to take a shot, give him the shot. Then the one the caring friend is like, is there like, hey, don't give him that shot. Are there legal? Um, I, I get it. You don't want to run risk of athletes, but but do you think around the station there are still some sort of legal shots given that take away immediate pain, even though you're risking longer term injury? Uh, to force a, a player back on the field, are there legal ones of that, or all of is is most of it not so much? Um, oh no, I mean you can do lidocaine or some of the long acting um, lidocaine preparations. Yeah, you can do that, and that's done. Uh, you got to be very careful when you're doing that, though, because uh, just what you said. I mean, you can extend an injury or make it worse by doing that uh, because they feel so good, and then they overdo things that they probably shouldn't be doing. Um, where that's really common is in the AC joint. So when we hear a separation of the shoulder between the collarbone and the, and the acromion bone, uh, those can be very painful. But you can put a little lidocaine in there uh, or what we call sensorcaine, which is longer acting. And that would allow them you know, to be more comfortable. Uh, but you got to be really careful how you're doing that. you got to have the appropriate padding. You got to go by position. They've got to understand the risks and, you know, and the benefits and all those things. So it gets to be a little bit... A little bit of a process. Um, you know, the question is if there's some chronic injuries, does it hurt to put a little steroid sometimes? That, again, you got to be careful because sometimes it makes them feel so good that they then accelerate the process. Like fool's gold. Little fool's gold, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Like, oh, uh, I, I mean, you got to be careful. There are legal things to use, but... But you need in this day and age, you need to be really careful and really uh, upfront what this is going to do and what it potentially could do or not do, um, because sometimes they they don't go as well as you think. Yeah, there it is. Good to inside. I'm a believer in not injecting. If you're having that much pain, you shouldn't play. You, and if you don't have full motion and full strength, I don't care what we're going to inject you. It's not going to make a huge difference. And there we go. Yeah, that is. Uh, it, it's great to hear from Doc. You're, you're like a legend because I work with you know a lot of uh, new new athletic trainers that are that are on their way up to those that have been around in the field over there. And I just uh, I drop a Doc Phil on them, and it's instant credibility. It's, it's I love seeing young trainers. I don't know what makes the best ones, but I know that this. I know that the the schools are pumping out uh, those that that perform well. We've got our colleague Dan Halleck's son Joe is a triple A. Now, AAA right now, you know, I couldn't be more proud of Joey. You know, he just, uh, man alive, as you couldn't be, you wouldn't be more proud of him. He's just a a fantastic young man. And and Joey was, yeah, he was a patient of mine. He'd be an interesting one for you to get on someday. But, you know, you you made that question. You know what makes the best trainers? What does, temperament? No, the ones that say, I don't know. Ah. Uh, The ones that admit that there's a level that they haven't been able to get to or they don't understand. And they go, I don't, I don't know that. And if they come back with a thing, but I'm going to find out. Those are the trainers you want because they are interested and they they want that extra knowledge. The ones that try and you know, you know, buffalo you or right. try and hide and you know, fake it through. Those are the ones I you just detest. I mean, but you that's kind of like people in general. But right. but the trainers I love the best are, well, I don't know. What do you think? You know, that's just that's just so perfect because even if. Even if I didn't know, you know, it's like, okay, let's work through this. Let's see what's going on and see if we can come up with, with the answer. But I would much rather have somebody that says, I don't know, or the quote, know-it-all who knows it all, 
and you just go, okay. That's well, great. That's that's okay. a great thought. Yeah, that's a great thought. Yeah, and for Joey, I mean, he suffered with thoracic outlet syndrome, and he's had knees, yeah. and he's you know, yeah. he, he she probably is going to make a tremendous. You know, yes, you know, he's gone through it all for goodness sakes. You know, he's been with he's been under under you and your tutelage. That's uh, so yeah, couldn't be more part of the young man. He can be. He can probably be in a big league someday or running. Running some AAA, you know, and it's you know I don't want to say short time because he put the work in, uh, certainly. But yeah, I'm I'm just impressed at that field and what it's what it's kicking out. I have a chance to work with a couple with Tom uh, for the Red Hawks, and and, and now Alyssa uh, is new, 24, 25 years old, and they just uh, I'm impressed, Doc. Schools are pumping out some some pretty knowledgeable people with a good temperament yep. and a knowledge. Well, you know? I think that we've got we've gained a lot more knowledge too in treatment of injuries and things over the. I mean, over my career, it, it, it's changed quite a bit in the rehab part, not so much in the surgical procedures that we do, although they have some as well, but the rehabilitation and, and the, the learning when it's safe to return to play. That's always the question. You know, when do you let them go back? Well, when they're ready. Um, but usually there's some parameters you want to try and follow. And, and it gets a little dicey when you're talking playoff time and you're talking professionals or you're talking college. You know, people always go, well, how do you treat the professionals different than the high school? I said, I don't. I treat them all the same way. You treat them like, you know, they're the patient and they are the athlete and they are the best in their in the world. And and then you don't get into trouble. You start trying to pick and choose like, well, he's a professional, so we want to do this. No, that that really muddies the water. You've got to treat them all the same like they're the best in their uh, okay. in their position you know what, and then you don't get into trouble. And you know what makes it tough? And it's some, uh, we were just talking about what makes it tough is that athletes, with all due respect, They'll lie to you. <laughs> they oh, absolutely. They, no, they want to play. They want to play more than anything, and they won't tell you. And that's where the concussion problem has always that it surfaced, that that's why we've got spotters now, um, because they would not tell you. And, and you can't see all the plays. You can't see all the things that happen on a field. But And that's why the spotters are so helpful. And, and I've had a couple fight me. I mean, literally fight me to come off. And that's one sign of a significant concussion. So mm. they, they start to fight, then you know, okay, uh, you're scrambled a little bit. You need, I want your helmet, and we're going, we're going back into the room here for How a while. How about that? Yeah, know? that is. You see, that that's that goes on, folks. That's that it's all about. Yep. Good stuff today, Doc. I know we kept you past the time, but thank you, man, for the info on that. And we will, uh, we'll chat again next week. Have a good week. All right. It, it's always a pleasure, and I'm starting to stock up my snack. For uh, the Alaris. Uh, it is coming. Yeah, we are inside of everything. We're inside. We're inside that month. We're inside. Of, it's all coming down. Stock up the yep. grape and see if you can't add some yep. cherry. I will. <laughs> see you later, Doc. Thank you. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Phil, Dr. Phil Johnson, orthopedic surgeon. Quick timeout coming back. Amy Olson, what's she, uh, what's she over at uh, the Village for today? We'll, we'll find out that. What's her future in golf? I uh, got the baby on the way and... Grant, of course, got his season ready to rock and roll. When we get time, we'll hear from Amy, who's back uh, back in the area. More uh, next on 740 The Fan. <music> Tell you what another good fight was, was uh, Dean Youngblood and uh, Radke. He had the movie Youngblood. Okay, it was a movie. We had uh, Bud Harrelson versus Pete Rose. 70s uh, playoff game. Yes, it was. From NASCAR, Donnie Allison versus Cale Yarbrough. Fight at the Daytona 500 back in the day. A NASCAR brawl. There's a few of those. Wow. And they they aren't like they used to be, which. Yeah, that's right. We haven't mentioned, and this one's 
so ugly. It's but you still have the malice in the palace with uh, Ron Artest. Oh, and, of course, went up. Yeah, yes, that's, yeah. that's right. Went up into that's the. About, that's almost twenty years ago now. We uh, well, yeah, and 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 uh, uh, Kermit uh, Washington. Oh, and Rudy, Rudy, and Rudy Tom Jonovich, uh was uh, was an NBA one that, that obviously yeah. broke jaws and, and all of that stuff. Yeah, that uh, that's uh, that's not. Uh, Brad, you had a chance to bump into Amy uh, today. She's yep. uh, she's, she's doing some things. Doing a uh, clinic over at uh, Village Green today through uh, through Sanford, and uh, yeah, I got a uh, t- chance and a few uh, few media members uh, in the area today. Got a chance to visit with her and just kind of ask her first. How the summer's going, how, you know, what she did with her schedule playing-wise, and uh, she's trying to work around, of course, baby number one. What's it been like this year for you? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a different year. I haven't competed nearly as much. Um, I played in April and then I, three times in June and July. It's, yeah, it's just been kind of a transitional year for me. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed being home a little bit more, being a little more involved in the community. But Pebble was honestly, it, it really capped off the summer really well. I didn't play as well as I wanted to, but the experience as a whole was phenomenal, and I, it was a really special experience that I'll cherish forever. You got a lot of extra attention. Uh, can you yeah. talk about what it was like going through that while you're trying to focus on competing? Yeah, it was probably the most attention, media attention I've ever had pre-tournament, you know, where you're getting, I did interviews with the Wall Street Journal and Good Morning America and like, I mean, publications that I've that have never been interested in me before. So it was very interesting. It was really cool. I loved that everyone was just celebrating this new life that we're going to welcome. And so overall, it was very positive, but it was a little bit different. And I, I was not used to that kind of attention for sure. What have your doctors told you about playing while pregnant? It looks like you've had no issues at all. Tell me a little bit about what you've been told and, and how it's gone for you. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, what ev- everybody says is everyone's pregnancy is a little bit different. So you kind of have to listen to your own body and see how you feel. Um, for me, this is something that I've done for however many years. So my body's used to it. So continuing to golf, continuing to do certain forms of workouts and just walking has been great. And it's honestly helped my pregnancy, I think, progress pretty well. You talked a little bit about when we were just kind of chit-chatting about it maybe kind of even helping your swing mechanics. Talk a little bit about that. <laughs> well, I've been thinking about it, and I'm like, this is actually a great training aid. I wish I'd have learned to play golf with this because, I mean, there's certain things in the golf swing, whether it's like maintaining width, just keeping everything together. Pregnancy really helps with. Unfortunately, my swing flaws... Um, I, I developed some swing flaws before I was pregnant and pregnancy doesn't let you save those. Um, so it's been interesting, but I think there's a lot of truth. I've heard so many women tell me I play my best golf pregnant and I can see why. Unfortunately, that hasn't been true for me. (laughs) Um, Talk talk a little bit about the clinic today. Why, you know, why you're here, why it's exciting. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be excited to talk to you about your pregnancy, let alone the golf. It's a little different clinic than maybe you've put on. Tell me about this, this event. Yeah, I mean, I always love doing things with the community, and I especially love when kids get out and get involved with golf. Golf's been such a huge part of my life. It's contributed so many positive experiences to me, and I know that will continue for the rest of my lifetime. I know that golf is one of those few lifelong games. So being able to, whether you're 80 or you're 8, you know, this is such an important game, and it's a way to build relationships. So I love introducing people to the game or helping them wherever they're at 
in their journey. Can you just talk about having Sanford involved with these sorts of things? Were they available when you were a kid? And how nice is it to have, you know, a, a place like Sanford to, to put this on? Yeah, I mean, Sanford has done all of the work, so I just show up, which is great. And, you know, they really care about the community and wanting to get people exposed, involved, and get better. And so having a, a, a company to partner with that has those goals is awesome. Go ahead, whoever's ready. Could you see yourself, who knows what the future is going to hold, could you see yourself maybe being a teacher or a coach someday? If I do, I have to develop some new skills. I think, you know, playing and coaching are very different. And, you know, there's certain things like, I mean, just the fundamentals, which I still go back to all the time. Those are great to pass on. But really, I mean, being a teacher is a different skill. And so if I go that route, I'll have to definitely put some time into it. I'm going to get to one final uh, comment here that uh, she made and kind of just kind of talking about what the future for her might look like once the baby arrives. Let's get to that. About, you know, just taking care of your own body and, and your baby's body. Well, truthfully, uh, we haven't made any decisions yet. I don't know what's going to happen next year. I've kind of taken the approach that, I mean, I've never had more than more status than one year at a time on the LPGA. And fortunately, they have a great maternity policy. I can go back with the status that I had going into this year. Um, but my biggest concerns are my family, my husband, who has a very busy career, and obviously this new baby. And so traveling 32 weeks out of the year, which is what I've done the last nine years, won't happen again. So if I play, it will be less, and it will be very strategic. That, uh, that's Amy. Uh, she's so confident, always has been, and uh, just a great young lady. Well, not young lady anymore. She's growing a little bit. And uh, it, talk about someone with their priorities absolutely locked in. That That's Amy Amy Olson now, formerly Amy Anderson. So good stuff there, Brad, for, for Amy today. And whatever she and Grant, uh, you know, decide, you know, as far as her career and what she decides, more power to them. But sounds like baby is... Numero uno. Yes, <laughs> right now, and they and they, uh, they do not uh, they don't know if it's going to be a boy or a girl. They are waiting till it comes into the world. That'll be he or she comes into. That'll the be world. one that'll be like a headline on Twitter and all that. Right. <laughs> but uh, good stuff today. We'll do it again coming up tomorrow. Common man around the corner. Red Hawks off today. Twins or not, they've got Detroit. First pitch five forty. You can catch that on KFGO. Stick around. Common Bend is next right here at 740 The Fan, 107.3 FM, KNFL.